everyone. Welcome to The Cultured Podcast. I'm Melissa Jezior, your host. On this podcast, I talk to top culture makers in the world today from different industries and backgrounds to unpack the visible and not so visible forces that make up this often overlooked superpower of organizations. This inspired me to learn from elite athletes and coaches to unpack their tips and tricks for building winning cultures. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Victoria Blake. Victoria is a colleague of mine here at Eagle Hill and a former nationally ranked high school volleyball player who went on to play for an incredible four years at University of Wisconsin. That's where they competed in the NCAA championships for a title and won their regional championships. Victoria, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's always exciting to step outside of the day to day. I've been learning so much from these conversations, and I'm fascinated to talk to you about your experience playing at a D1 level and how this really translates into your work life today. So to start out with, you're a nationally ranked volleyball player in high school, broke a lot of records I hear at your high school, so much so that you got recruited by University of Wisconsin and finished high school early to join the team. I understand that a few days before you made this jump, you got a, somewhat of a curveball. Um, so tell me about this curveball that you got and how you handled it. One night I was actually sitting around and we were eating dinner with the family. And my sister, my mom, and my dad were all sitting at the dinner table. And the phone rings. It was the coach that I had committed to at mm-hmm. Wisconsin letting me know that he was no longer going to be the coach anymore. He Ooh. was retiring. Uh-huh. Yeah, so just a few days before I was actually supposed to move out to Wisconsin, I had already packed up all of my things for college. They were sitting in the living room and ready to go and wasn't sure if I really had a spot on the team or even a scholarship at this point. I had no idea how to navigate these waters. Now, it's a really awkward time because I had just gotten my diploma, so I had no idea what I was going to do for the next semester uh-huh. if I was not going to go to Wisconsin. Yep. Definitely an awkward time. And I just remember thinking, am I still graduating early? And am, am I still going to start Wisconsin in just a few weeks? I already had, you know, packed. I'd already have everything. Everything was prepared, ready to go. Just walk out the door and move into the dorm. That was all I was waiting to do. And now there's this huge change and it was just a, a, a big, uh, a big mess for a little bit, to be totally honest. And we waited a few days. We waited a few days and then I got a call. We had a coach at least, which was great news. Uh, Coach Kelly Sheffield, he was going to come over from the University of Dayton to be our leader throughout this time. And he he said he wanted to come over for dinner. That's really where it all started was him deciding that he wanted to sit down and make sure that we were still a good fit for each other. So we set up a dinner and he decided to drive up to the house. Uh That being said, uh, he was late. Uh-huh. He had no idea where I lived, actually. So he drove to where I practiced, which was two and a half hours away from <gasps> my home. My mom had made dinner. So there was a lasagna in the like in the stove, <laughs> cooking, probably burning by this time. It was like 10 o'clock at night. It's super cold outside because it's the middle of winter in Michigan. And I'm I remember this so vividly. I'm sitting at the computer in the kitchen, Googling everything I can about this guy. Who is Coach Kelly Sheffield? What is he? And I remember looking at these photos thinking he's just the super scary guy. Oh. <laughs> like, I remember seeing them and thinking, uh-huh. oh gosh, he's Hulk. Uh-huh. Like, oh no, oh no, what's happening? Uh-huh. And we get a knock on the door. We open up the door. This flood of burnt lasagna flows out yeah. and hits him in the face probably. And he's just a normal guy. Uh-huh. And he's just, I remember thinking, wait, 
this is him. Like, this isn't scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember the only thing that really shook me out of that moment of who am I looking at right now mm-hmm. was shaking his ice cold hand because, again, it was January yeah. in Michigan. Awesome. So this new coach, Kelly Sheffield, uh, you'd never heard of him before, right? Was not a really well-known coach. And here he is coming into this Big Ten team with a known coach and a known coach who had um, recruited and trained the team. Um, and I imagine he really needed to quickly gain trust. So tell me about your observations about how he did that and how he was successful and maybe where he wasn't. Yeah, um, definitely an odd situation to be thrown into. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically like becoming the CEO of a, of a company. Mm-hmm. You have no idea what's really going on in there and you show up your first day and you really just hope for the best. And mm-hmm. I truly believe that's the situation he was in. Um, he ended up calling a team meeting. Neverin had just gotten back to campus after winter break. I had just moved into the dorms. Um, I think my mom had actually just left campus that morning. Mm-hmm. So it was my first real experience with mm-hmm. the team. We walk into this meeting room and everyone's sitting down. Keep in mind, I still haven't met some of the team at this point. So I'm still the complete newbie, all alone in the corner kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. And everyone else is just as nervous as me because they also have no idea who he is or what he's about. And with this long meeting, I just remember he pretty much started by saying, you know, I I don't like losing. Pretty great opening because everyone was immediately on board. Nobody likes losing. So he had us at least that far. (laughs) Now, where he lost a few people, I think, is when he handed us a giant book. And it was a book really of rules, but he liked to call them standards of the team. And it was anything from what you should wear while you're traveling, how you should sit in the front three rows of every class, how you'll be 15 minutes early to every practice, every weightlifting session, anything, Lombardi time. Mm-hmm. Then I think a few of us sat back and thought, oh, wow, this is going to be a big change can only speak for myself, I guess. I was brand new, but a few of the girls were probably very comfortable in the routine that they had created over the last two to three years. And here this guy is coming in, sitting down and saying, change everything. Even when you practice, even how you eat, dress, act, you know, everything needs to change. And it was a little bit of a shakeup at first. (laughs) Um, I remember right away he had the senior on the team, Anne-Marie Hickey. She was a great leader in general, but she really was truly important to making sure everyone on the team was also on board. So she was what we would call the change champion, Mm -hmm. right? The one Mm -hmm. who's willing to sit down and have those meetings and go out and get coffee with someone on the team, make sure that you're doing okay. How do you feel about this? How do you feel about this? And then continuously reporting back to coach and making sure everyone was on the same page. Now, that being said, not everyone was on the same page. And I don't think everyone truly understood how this was going to have a great positive impact until we started winning games. Why do you think he started out the meeting with this two and a half inch book with all these standards? What do you think he was, what message do you think he was trying to share in terms of what was he trying to accomplish? So I think it was really just saying, this is how things need to be run around here. And not only that, he wasn't forcing it down anyone's throat or anything like that. We went through page by page and he wanted to make sure 
everyone was okay with the standard, whatever mm -hmm. it was. And then everyone also agreed that the punishment or whatever the repercussion was going to be if you did not follow a standard mm -hmm. was a reasonable thing. So interesting. So that was in a way his first chance of saying, all right, folks, this is going to be a culture change. And here's your chance to kind of opt in, right? Here's your chance to weigh in. And here's a chance for us to kind of say, as a group, we're going to hold each other accountable for this new culture change. So you mentioned that some people were on board right away and others weren't on board right away. Tell me a little bit about maybe some of the folks that weren't on board and how did Coach Kelly handle some of those situations and the team handle some of those situations? Of course, you're going to get the natural tendency of testing boundaries. Mm -hmm. And we definitely had a few individuals on the team who were doing that. Now, that being said, a few weeks after Coach came, one girl was asked to leave the team and mm -hmm. so boundaries were set but whatever the repercussions for the actions mm -hmm. that needed to happen did actually happen so she was removed from the team um, I remember there was one senior on the team in particular and she she just loved the idea of I want to win mm -hmm. and he wants to win and this is what we're going to mm -hmm. do to win so she was just on board Pretty much immediately. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm pretty sure there was a few meetings in the background happening to make sure she was on board, but she was totally there. But there was one drill, and it was extremely dependent on the weakest player, mm -hmm. which at the time, I will completely admit, was me. It was brand <laughs> new. I had was not playing at a Division One college mm -hmm. volleyball level. I was still very much a good high school player. Mm -hmm. um, and so... People were actually really frustrated with me, and again, rightfully so, but you have this moment where coach tells you, like, this drill is not going to be over until you accomplish it, until you completely finish it. Mm -hmm. It dragged on for days. Mm -hmm. And so I have a few juniors reaching out to me, wanting to practice after in the gym. Mm -hmm. So I'm practicing with a few people who are teaching me pretty much everything they know, mm -hmm. right? So I'm learning from them. So it's a drill dependent on the weakest player, uh, people were getting really frustrated because for the life of me, I could not pass a volleyball. Uh -huh. And that's just what it was. Now, that being said, it was a, a difficult practice. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of it, our coach basically said, like, you know, we're going to do better tomorrow. This is a really tough practice. We need to call it quits for the day. Mm -hmm. Everyone, for the most part, gets around in a circle. And just like you see at any, pretty much any practice for sports, you start stretching, right? Mm -hmm. And someone breaks it down in the middle and you're all stretching. Well, one individual on the team, I'll even name her Courtney Thomas. Mm -hmm. She, uh, I love her so much. She's actually has a family of her own now, but she um, stood to the side instead of joining the circle. And at one point, she actually turned around, so her back was facing the team. And she was also one of the individuals who wasn't completely on board with the coaching change, probably. Mm -hmm. And so coach went up to her and said, well, why the heck aren't you mm -hmm. with your team? And she was like, well, I'm a little frustrated. And I think the idea was that she needed to cool down. Mm -hmm. But he immediately said, no, get your butt back in that circle, yeah. stretch with your team, give them your love, your energy, your mm -hmm. support, because this was a tough practice. Yeah. That's what a good leader does. And... There was an instant where one moment she was like pouting in the corner and all of a sudden she was in the circle and mm -hmm. she was talking to teammates. And even though she was frustrated as heck that coach called her out on yeah. something, it was definitely a point of turn for her mm -hmm. that coach was going to hold her accountable and 
that's how things are going to be run for me. I think about in the corporate world, if you do want to create culture change, one of the first things we always tell our clients is to get people to weigh in on how they would interpret that culture change just to, for that very reason. So that when it comes time to hold people accountable, it's a little bit harder to argue with something you yourself helped to create or had the opportunity to weigh in on. So I'm actually having that experience with a client right now. We did over 101 interviews, getting buy-in from all of these people all across their department, and it's been extremely successful so far. So it's really neat to see how it applies in my day-to-day, even though it all started out at the University of Wisconsin in a small little meeting room. Everyone's sweating it out, meeting coach for the first time. So So one of the things that I have really enjoyed in doing this podcast series and talking with incredible athletes and coaches is that one of the things that sticks out is there seems to be a difference between being a really good team and being a national championship team. So I'm curious as to what you think goes into that and how much culture you think plays a part in becoming a, like such a winning team. And tell us, just tell us a little bit about your thoughts on that. It was constant. It was really just the little thing. So coach truly believed every standard in that book, where you sat in class, how you ate for a game or something like that, you know, the nutrition you were putting into your body, all of those things truly mattered. Um, another thing he did have us do, and I definitely hold on to this in my professional career today, but we had this rubber band activity mm-hmm. and it was lovingly called snap yourself. Mm-hmm. So he had noticed that a lot of individuals on the team, myself included, mm-hmm. when we made a mistake on the court, we would immediately get angry. And it was like this internal anger. And in reality, it, it manifested inside of you, but it's contagious Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. So he needed a way to get rid of that Mm -hmm. and really focus us less on anger of a mistake and more on the solution to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Mm -hmm. So when everyone is being negative one day at practice, he came up to us all at the end and we're all standing around in a circle by the whiteboard and by the practice plan and I remember thinking, why is, why is he just holding a bag of rubber bands? Like, he's the head, like, he doesn't need, like, why, like, does he have paperwork to do? Like, yeah. what's going on? And he puts a rubber band on everyone's wrist, and he says, whenever you think something negative, do something negative, or say something negative, you need to snap yourself. Mm-hmm. So we wore this rubber band for 48 hours and the entire team held each other accountable of snapping themselves to the point where we, we actually created a hashtag, mm-hmm. hashtag snap yourself. <laughs> um, so in our group chat, if someone even said something negative, just texting the team or something like that, you would respond with a hashtag mm-hmm. and we all lived, I mean, together at the time. So they would have to snap themselves and we would hold them accountable. But I remember the next day it rained, someone stepped into a puddle and she was just snapping herself all the way to practice to the point where she showed up and her wrist was just bright red. (laughs) And it was like, what happened? Like what on earth? And it's just been a rough day. (laughs) And you don't realize you're making or thinking negatively or making negative actions or anything like that up until the point where you're calling yourself out on it. And that's the first step to realizing, okay, my first reaction to serving a volleyball into the net is needing to snap myself versus thinking, oh, I'll just aim higher next time. Mm -hmm. Again, it's such a small change, but I truly think that's the difference between good and great. Mm -hmm. 
it's not faking it until you make it. It's mm-hmm. rewiring your brain and everyone on the team doing that too for the greater good. And so it kind yeah. of stops the behavior in a way and then, or makes you cognizant of it. Definitely. Uh, I, I do think another one would be this idea of there's, I mean, you go from mid to bottom of the Big Ten to national championships, right? Like you're obviously the underdog. Uh-huh. No one's going to believe in yeah. you at all whatsoever. Everyone's going to call you crazy for having these huge lofty dreams of making it to the national championship. And uh, I remember Coach, he used to take articles that essentially put us down mm-hmm. and made us sound quite awful mm-hmm. uh, or predictions that we were going to lose these really big games or things like that. And he would slip them in people's lockers or he would tape them up to the board before practice. And it just, this fire in your belly at the end of the day, because you were so mad that Mm -hmm. someone would say that, but not just mad, again, going back to the whole idea of having to channel it into Mm -hmm. action. Mm -hmm. That is something that I, I really do think is applicable today. Now that being said, no one's saying like the company is going to end or anything like that. Right. But it's the idea of, you know, Eagle Hill is a smaller company mm-hmm. and it's this, there's that fire in your gut because of it. And mm-hmm. it's really exciting to be here. So tell us then about the impact that these culture changes had on the team and what happened as a result of all this culture change. You go from mid to bottom of the Big Ten to all of a sudden making it to the national championships and no one believes that you're going to get there. People were calling us crazy. We had a great season and we were still ranked at the bottom of the NCAA tournament. Like it was just, it was crazy. But at the same time, you just, you stayed positive and you looked at each other and you knew everyone was on the same page and there was just this strength within the team Mm -hmm. and this vulnerability that everyone knew everything about you and they were going to hold you accountable to it. They were going to hold you accountable to the team standards. Mm -hmm. It just created this environment that you could be your true self, but your best true self. And then on top of that, you could win together. So I know you were new to the team when uh, you and Kelly were new together. What did you hear from some of your teammates about what the big difference was from pre-Kelly to post-Kelly in terms of that culture and how it kind of brought you together as a team? I'm not really sure what they said necessarily. Everyone was very, and this is so true, everyone was very forward-thinking the entire time Mm -hmm. because now that we had a new coach, nothing that happened in the past mattered. Mm-hmm. And Kelly never reflected back on the past necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, even his opening line, right? Like, I, I, I don't like to lose. I don't like to lose. It's like, okay, well, we're not going to lose from here on out. Like, here we go. Mm-hmm. And it was just this forward thinking like, okay, we're not going to lose. We're going to win. Uh-huh. And to the point where, I mean, every single game, he, he actually had this saying and it was, um, it was get on the train. Uh-huh. So it is your personal responsibility to get on the train before it leaves the station. Now, that being said, after a big win, Mm -hmm. he would say, get on the train. It's time to move on to the next game. Mm -hmm. After a big loss, he would say, get on the train. It's time to move on to the next game. Mm -hmm. And that was really his mentality. So it didn't matter win or lose. We were always just moving forward in his mind. That's interesting. It wasn't even just moving forward, though, because then you get to the NCAA tournament, Mm -hmm. and he has this whole thing that it's not about survive and advance. And for any sports lover out there... Yeah, what does that mean? 
a lot of sports fans out there are aware of this term, survive in advance. And it's the idea of when you make it into the NCAA tournament or when you make it into any tournament, you need to survive the game you're currently up against and advance mm. to the next. Okay. Our coach hated that. Oh my goodness, he hated it. We called it dominate and conquer. So it wasn't surviving, it was dominating. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't advancing, it was conquering. Because it was... It was just the idea that it's it's not good enough to make it or squeeze by. You know, we were the underdogs. We had to prove our worth. We had to prove everything. And you can't do that by surviving and advancing. You have to do that by dominating and conquering. Hmm. And they still use that term to this day. Oh, interesting. And I think he actually used it before Wisconsin, too. I'm pretty sure if you Dayton girls would know that one as well. So I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to isolate in a way what the magic was, um, if you think about it. Because we, you and I have talked about how it's not one single player, right, that makes the magic of a team. Um, and maybe not even the magic of one single coach, I don't know. But what is it do you think that enabled Wisconsin to go from being in the bottom of the Big Ten to making it to the NCAA championships? It was a beautifully mastered culture change. Anything from how someone thought mm -hmm with the snapping of themselves to how we were looking at games coming up uh, to how we didn't look back. I mean, I would really say those three things, but by doing that, our team was close. We had each other's backs. We knew that nobody outside of our gym and our four walls believed in us and it had to be on us. Maybe this is where it ties back to life at Eagle Hill even. Right. It's our clients tell us all the time. We know who works for Eagle Hill because they're smiling when they walk down the halls. Mm -hmm. You know, the idea of that snap yourself comes in. Mm -hmm. Right. Like people here are happy. They genuinely enjoy what they do. But it's more than that. It's the fact that you know that your team has your back. Mm -hmm. You know that you're working towards something great. The gold standard of consulting. That's what we want to do. We're all on board. We're all here for it. Mm -hmm. And that's what's special, just like Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. I think we've touched on a little bit about this, but I want to ask the question specifically. Um, clearly, you've learned a lot um, from the time at Wisconsin, a lot from Kelly, a lot from your teammates. Um, what, what would you say is the top learnings that you still apply to your, your work life today? So I, I'm just going to be a broken record, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, definitely that rubber band activity, staying positive all the time is extremely important, just knowing that you know, clients come to you with really difficult problems, things that they can't solve on their own or just need a little support with. And it's going to be hard to figure it out sometimes, mm -hmm. but you've got to stay positive and you'll find your way through it. And just having that trust in yourself and those around you is extremely important. Um, looking back, I do think another thing I took away from volleyball and has impacted my life in consulting is the idea of compounding wins, probably. It's you have a win, you have a really good meeting or something like that. And it's that same idea. You have to get on the train, you have to move on and focus on your next one. Mm -hmm. But by doing that, you will you set yourself up for a lot of wins along the way. Even mm -hmm. if they're just small mm -hmm. or even if they're big, you're setting yourself up for success along the way. So making sure you're on the train and moving on to whatever it is next, learning the lessons, doing the preparation, everything, on the train, on the way to your next game, it's extremely important. Part of the reason I loved volleyball so much is because you could look at people also in the sport and say, wow, I want to be like them. Mm -hmm. So my 
gold star, if you will, in volleyball was always Carrie Walsh Jennings because she was a mom. Mm -hmm. She was an Olympian. Like she did it all. Now she's starting her own volleyball clinics and like teaching everyone the game of volleyball. It's amazing. And I've worked at other places in consulting where that's not necessarily the place where I can look around and see myself wanting to be whoever's in that next role. Mm -hmm. But here, especially at Eagle Hill, you look around, I mean, like you're a mom. <laughs> I'm serious. Like that's amazing to me. Uh -huh. Like we have people in the office who have a life, but then they're also doing these amazing things. And that's something that I learned in volleyball. I need, mm -hmm. like I need to be able to look at that next step and say, wow, that's something I really want to do. That's amazing. And it's something that I get to have here, which is really neat. So finally, a question we ask in all of our interviews, if you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? I would fly and I would fly everywhere. Um, one, just commuting in DC is very tough, I'm sure. That it is, that it is. <laughs> most people know. <laughs> uh, I would skip every metro line that ever existed. I would never have to wait for a car or anything again to move. It would just... It would be great to be able to fly over DC traffic, but it would also be awesome to see things from a different perspective and a, a higher viewpoint, if you will. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Victoria. I love learning more about your story and thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our Cultured Podcast. If you like the show and want to learn more, check out our Cultured website, culturedcast.com. And please follow us on iTunes. If you'd like to know more about our research, visit eaglehillconsulting.com slash culture.